With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. And man, we are going to have a party today because Kansas, this last weekend, upset Oklahoma 38 to 33. Look, I picked it in my predictions, but I thought it was going to be a close game. It ended up being a close game thanks to the weather. Here to help me recap slash celebrate slash whatever else it is we decide to do today is my deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising, Kyle Davis. Kyle, how are you doing today? Uh, it, the weather is miserable, but I am in a I am in a good mood. It it it's the it's still raining. Where this is what is this? Twenty two hours after after later than after the game, uh, and it's still the same exact conditions. But uh, you know what? You can't dampen the spirits. It literally. As we started this, uh, Kansas is back in the top 25, checking in at number 22. So, you know what? Life, life's pretty good right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, this game was good enough that Iowa State, they finally announced the the time for that one. That's going to be a prime time on ESPN game uh, at 6 p.m. So um, I am planning on being up in the stadium for that one as well. So should be a lot of fun to go on hand, and hopefully Kansas can get some revenge for that game. But we've got plenty to talk about with Oklahoma before we look ahead to Iowa State. Um, this was a game that I thought – you know, coming in, like the real question was, one, is Oklahoma's defense as good as their numbers seem to suggest? And two, could the Kansas defense do enough to slow down a Dylan Gabriel-led Oklahoma team that they don't really have a running back that puts up big eye-popping numbers, but as everybody was quick to remind us during all of Fox Big Noon kickoff and ESPN College game day, Oklahoma runs the RPO in such a way that the main runner is the quarterback, not the running back. So lots of stuff there, but which, which one do you think was a bigger deal here? The way the Kansas defense played or the way that, um, that Kansas was able to score against Oklahoma's defense. I think it has to be the defense, right? And we'll get to the offense and and Oklahoma was one of those teams and we'll get to this later, but they, they always gave up a lot of yards, especially in big 12 play. They just, they, the turnover differential, was key for them and the weather kind of negated that a bit, but we'll get to that later because I think we have to start with the defense because two weeks ago, you and I sat here after a dismal performance against Oklahoma state saying, I don't know what it is, but this defense feels like it just has so much more energy at home and being able to start out strong and whatever reason on the road, we do it. And so I, you know, have been very optimistic this year, but on my prediction, I picked Oklahoma to narrowly win in the shootout because I needed the defense to show that they could stop somebody after that Oklahoma State performance. And I do think there is a difference there. And you saw it, the the mellow Dotson interception immediately got the crowd involved. So you were all, you were nice and, and toasty and dry up in the in the press box. I was down in the stands uh, getting stoked with, with my family. And that completely changed the, like the, the stadium was, was, I would say pretty good at, at kickoff, but like that got people in it. That that was huge. And then if you look at it, I know there's plenty of deficiencies with the run defense still that we need to talk about. But the big thing was Oklahoma was two of 10 on third down. And Dylan Gabriel is an extremely efficient quarterback. And even with uh, the rain, which I know is a factor, 
Like he is just very good at finding his spots, dinking and dunking if he needs to, and letting his receivers kind of make plays in space. And that was the big thing. That was Kansas was able to get off the field on third down. Dylan Gabriel was still 14 and 19, but on some of those big plays that that pick six was on the third and two. Uh, there was a couple others there that even then Oklahoma went for it on fourth down. Uh, the the pass defense, there was just an, an aggressiveness. And, and you know, I, I know the weather was a factor, but even then it just it just felt like a different level than we saw against Oklahoma State. And one of the big things I talked about in the preview that was just different with this year's Oklahoma team, not to not to diminish them by any point, but Dylan Gabriel's the star. They don't have that. Like last year, they had Marvin Mims, who's now in the NFL, who was that thousand-yard receiver who's just a stud. Um, they don't really have that, you know. Drake Stoops is the is one of the leading uh, receivers this year, and and he made a couple of nice plays, but there's just not that one-on-one throw it up fifty-fifty ball and let your guy go get it receiver on here. And I thought that the you know credit to the secondary for Kansas, they they came with energy. They were making big hits. They were wrapping up because that was another thing in the Cowboys game uh, two weeks ago in Stillwater. So many missed tackles in space that just, you know, what would have been maybe a four or five yard gain turns into a 12 yard gain because you can't wrap up. That definitely wasn't the case. And overall, yeah, I think you have to credit the defense for what it was able to do to just make things difficult for Oklahoma uh, as a starting point. Because again, we, at least at home, we've seen it, and they proved it again, but this was a much bigger test than, say, a UCF or a BYU. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things that rain does, right, I think it, I think it, benefits, uh, it benefits the offense on rushing and it benefits the defense in passing, mainly because, you know, as a runner, unless you're, like, actually slipping on the field, um, a runner is able to make better cuts, knows exactly where they're going, whereas the defense is trying to react. It's a lot harder to react to something um, you know, in the rain. And I think you saw that with Oklahoma getting 269 yards rushing. I mean, Kansas got 225 of their own, but you know, this is a, one of the few weeks that Tywee Walker, or yeah, Ty, Tywee Walker, I believe is how you say his name. Yeah. Sorry, I've been stumbling all over that, but Walker was able to get 146 yards and just one touchdown. You know, it took him 23 runs to do it, but I mean, this is, you know, this is a team I think that, um, a lot of that, I think, had to do with Kansas selling out so much to stop Dylan Gabriel, to keep him from getting huge rushes. And he got a couple. Dylan Gabriel is that kind of player. He's he's going to. He ended up with three rushing touchdowns as well. But I think Kansas did a really good job of being extremely aggressive and getting in the backfield and blowing up a lot of those runs. There were definitely times where Oklahoma was able to get them and and kind of do what they wanted to do in some cases. But there was way too many times, you know, if 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 you're an Oklahoma fan, Kansas was in the backfield or was – hitting guys like at the line of scrimmage way too many times and were slowing down what Oklahoma wanted to do. There were still a decent amount of missed tackles, but unlike against Oklahoma State where, you know, it was a missed tackle and the guy was gone, it was if you missed the tackle, they at least slowed him down enough that the next guy was right there ready to get him, ready to wrap him up, ready to pull him down. But I think the biggest example of how much tougher they were, and, and I asked Marvin Grant about this after the game, Tommy Dunn Jr. had one where literally Dylan Gabriel was walking, was, was running by him. He reached his hand out, grabbed him across the shoulder and just flung him down on the, on the field. That is a tackle that normally would be a missed tackle. Dylan Gabriel would pick up another 30 yards and, you know, Oklahoma would have had a ton of momentum. I believe that was on a third down as well. So like it really stopped the momentum. It showed just how much more physically Kansas defense was playing. And of course, yes, the, the pick six was awesome. Uh, I believe, let's see, how many other turnovers did they have? Uh, let's see. There's yeah. a lot of special teams turnovers in this game. That's true. Weather, for sure. Yeah. Well, and, a lot and of muffed, muffed uh, catches on, on kickoffs and punts. Right. I mean, so, so Kansas muffed the one kickoff. Um, and then Oklahoma immediately turned that into, into seven points. Um, but you know, let's, let's actually talk about that one next because we actually asked Leipold about this after the game. It was in the second half as Kansas was trying to make that guard. Kansas had just pulled within one and then failed the two-point conversion. I believe this was the, for the first time. They kicked it, skied it up there, um, and, you know, it went to a player that wasn't used to it, and he ended up fumbling it, and Kansas recovered. Um, you know, that was something that they actually – they had done it earlier in the game, and I don't think anybody really noticed at that point because it was just, you know, it was no no big deal. But uh, I think the way that they decided to play this game had a huge impact. Special teams – had a big, you know, a big impact as well. And, and of course the missed field goals, um, not, not that great for the Jayhawks, but 
I think that they had a very good game plan coming in here, and I think the coaches definitely had them prepared to to take an Oklahoma team that at that point had been killing everybody except for Texas, you know. Well, and then and then UCF last week, but it had been killing everybody for a good portion of the year, and really just made it a muddied up game. And you touched on it. I think the bye week really helped with the defensive line health because they were real banged up coming out of Stillwater, and I think that's what you saw is that 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 front seven just looked much more aggressive, quick, strong, like, you know, Hayden Hatcher got in there and made a play like he had been really, really banged up. Um, So that was a big one. And and yeah, you like coming, you you think about it, Dylan Gabriel coming into this game had a 19 to three touchdown interception ratio. Now he's at 19 to four. So yes, he had three rushing touchdowns. He had five rushing touchdowns on the year before this. He's a running quarterback. He can do that. But you, (laughs) you give a guy who, you know, is already basically what through, I guess that would have been, uh, that would have been seven games before that, you know, he's averaging almost three touchdowns a game through the air and, you know, obviously less than one pick and you get zero passing touchdowns in a, in, in a pick. That's a huge win for the secondary. And you, yeah, you're right. Then, you know, Oklahoma's just that scheme. And because Gabriel is such a good runner and you can run those read options and, and the zones and whatnot, like it's, you're going to give up some yards and, and bully out. But yeah, that was, um, I think that bye week did the defense a lot of good, not only for Brian Borland did, you know, credit to, to the coaching staff on, on the scheme and the game plan and being able to slow it down, but also that front seven just looked healthier than what we've seen since early on in the year, maybe the Illinois game, maybe the BYU game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think the big difference here, right. It's like normally you were seeing, Plenty of instances where, you know, Kansas was having big plays in the backfield, so lots of sacks, lots of tackle for losses, but then also giving up huge plays. Whereas this this game plan and the way that this ended working out was Kansas only had four tackles for loss. You know, they had one sack from Austin Booker in the first quarter, and then they had, uh, you know, Cornell Wheeler had two tackles for loss, and Jeremy Robinson had one. So there wasn't a lot there, but there was a lot of plays that were one to two yard pickups, you know, guys on the you're running on the ground and not picking up very much. Um, Kansas just seemed to, for whatever reason, be able to anticipate fairly well what Oklahoma was doing and be able to, at that point, um, you know, get enough guys in there around the ball that they could go ahead and stop them. I, I mean, defensively, I don't know that there's that much more to talk about just because, I mean, it was a solid thing, you know, a, a solid game all year around or all from start to finish, it was fairly solid. Yes, Oklahoma got their points, but again, this is an offense that gets a lot of points. It has probably as much misdirection as the Jayhawks do um, with just a, a few less players. And so I'm not that necessarily that surprised. Obviously, I think there are still concerns about like the the way the rushing defense. But if you if you think about the weather, both teams were going to run heavily anyway. So like I'm not necessarily that concerned about it. Um, and the fact that they had so many, you know, they they limited so many plays. The longest play on the day for Oklahoma was a 28, I'm sorry, a 39-yard a, a pass, but a 28-yard rush from, from Tyree Walker. Um, you know, you have one of those, that's fine. And really, they only had like two, I think they only had three total plays that were over 20 yards on the day, which is a huge improvement for this team. And I think Kansas had 11 on offense, and I might be mistaken on that, but I think I saw that somewhere of 20-plus explosive, what, what they would call, quote-unquote, explosive uh, plays on there. So, yeah, that when you can – when you're because you know that the Kansas offense is going to do that. Again, this is what we've talked about. The defense just needs to be average or slightly above average and and get stops, don't give up 40 points, don't give up 600 yards, create some turnovers. And, again, that's how Oklahoma has won all year because we – in the preview, we talked about this. Oklahoma is going to give up yards on defense. Their big thing is that they had they had, uh, turned teams over 15 times coming into the game, and they had only turned it over five times. That was going to be the big thing. You had to take care of the ball. Now, Jason Bean had some interceptions. We had the fumbles, but uh, but the defense got in there and at least made it more even because the thing you couldn't have is that you couldn't have Oklahoma win the turnover battle, you know, uh, four to one or something like that, where it's just Kansas coughing it up all over the place and Oklahoma's taking care of the ball and getting those extra possessions. And like I said, on the special teams, the, the, the weather kind of made that an even playing field, but, but that was what you needed. You needed to, to keep the big plays force some mistakes from Oklahoma when you're on defense and just trust your offense to go out there and be the explosive team that it's been all year long.
Yeah, I mean, and, and and they did that really well. Talking about that rain delay, because, you know, Kansas was up 14 nothing pretty quickly. Oklahoma made one drive to come back, and then they were looking like they were on another really good drive, and they go into that lightning delay. Um, During that time, obviously, you know, it sounds like that, that that's when you actually left the stadium, and a ton of people did. Um, that's a completely well, different. We made it through the degree. Oh, oh, you it made it through it. the delay, and but then left at halftime. And then it was, was halftime. And then like, but yeah, my four year old was like, you know what? I love pretzels. I love big J, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm too cold. I'm too tired. I'm yeah. And it's just like, we, and yeah, we lived at that point. It's like an hour and a half of non-football being played to then stick through. So yes. Uh, yeah, no, we were, we were, uh, that's kind of funny. Ridiculous enough to make it through the entire. No, that's funny. Yeah. Cause like my, my kids went to the car during the delay and got back before halftime. But, um, yeah, I mean, the stadium really, really emptied out at that point, which is understandable given the weather and how cold it was and everything, and the fact it was like the first cold day like that of the season, but definitely, I think, had an effect. When they came back, Oklahoma just continued that drive as if nothing had happened. Um, yep. That that lightning delay, though, like, were you worried at the time that it was going to give a, 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 an advantage to one of the teams, or was it kind of just this really sucks and everybody's going to hate it. Yeah, it did. Well, you know, you always feel like when, when you're the team who's up before that and you feel like you have the opponent on the ropes on the road a little bit, anytime you can give them an hour to kind of regroup, that's a little nerve wracking. Cause you know, if anyone, if, if anyone needs that more, it's the team who's currently trailing and on the road and kind of got hit in the mouth to start the game. So when you go into it, you think, yes, this probably benefits Oklahoma. They have the ball right now. They're the one who need kind of a reset. They can look at what happened in that first quarter and the first half of that second quarter and then try and, you know, their coaching staff can try to make adjustments. I, you know, it's, it's just tough to, you know, you don't know how 18 to 22 year olds are going to react like that. You know, I, I read afterward that the, the Jayhawks went back to locker room. They were eating Uncrustables and they were focused and still locked in. And that's awesome. But like, it's, in that situation, it more often gives the team who was uh, struggling more and had more adversity against them time to level it out than it does the team who is on top continuing to make the momentum. Now you can say Oklahoma's probably not as used to the weather and the cold and all that sort of thing, but I don't think it makes that much of a difference. Well, I, you I, could, you I could do tell think, coming in. I would say, I do ahead. think that this one was different because Kansas was the one that was kind of on the ropes at that point. Oklahoma just had a long drive and then Kansas got stopped pretty quickly and Oklahoma was on another drive. Like Oklahoma had seemed to grab back all the momentum at that point. And while yes, they were still trailing on the scoreboard, Kansas was kind of back on their heels a little bit. So I think it gave them a chance to regroup. And even though when they got back, you know, Oklahoma was able to finish that drive and just march right down the field and score. And then the fumble happened and Oklahoma took the lead at that point. Like I I definitely think that Kansas you know, what should have benefited from that more, but it didn't seem to affect Oklahoma at all. Whereas Kansas, I don't know that it was really affecting them that much, but all that extra rain made the ball harder to hold on to. So I don't know that it actually had an impact, but I know going into it, I think my, my expectation was that it was going to be helpful for the Jayhawks because they were going to be able to take a look at what Oklahoma was doing well and adjust a little bit better. Um, now that being said, then going into halftime and coming out in the second half, you know, this is a, a second half Kansas team. It has been all year long. I'm not really that surprised with the way that they were able to play in that second half. But um, let's let's finish up on the defense here. Was there anything else, any other players from the defense that really stood out to you, or or anyone that you think that we need to talk about that we haven't yet? That's a good question because it, it it you know obviously there there were some like I, Kenny Logan kind of stands out, and there's a couple others. But this one felt like again it was a this felt like a good complete team win where it wasn't just one guy out there making a bunch of plays where it was uh it was all over you know i know um uh you know cornell wheeler was getting in there uh in the backfield i think he was one of them who maybe got one of those fumble recovers on special teams so i know it wasn't a defensive play but um it it felt like again i think the the front seven where you have you know austin booker is was was back and healthy you had uh marvin grant uh getting in there like you mentioned um there was that i think it was maybe was it was it rich miller who got in there on one of those hits that caused a fumble like it was him and someone else yeah so so rich miller kind of slowed him down and held him up and not like got under him so he was still up and then jb brown came in and just like smashed into him and knocked the ball out immediately that was the one fumble that kansas forced that they were able to then recover 
Um, and that was a huge momentum play for them. So, I mean, but I think, yeah. I think to your point, like that's really what this was. This was a full team defensive performance. There wasn't a guy that, you know, like, like when Kobe there, Bryant, there wasn't popping, yeah, right, there wasn't like popping stats where someone had four sacks on their own or anything. Right. Like, that. like, was, like, yeah, obviously Romello Dotson's pick six was, you know, a great individual highlight. You have J- the JB Brown force fumble, which is a great individual highlight. There was individual highlights here and there, but there wasn't like one guy that racked up four or five of them. And you're like, Hey, right. that's the guy. Kenny Logan led the team in tackles at 10. Marvin Grant had eight. Like it was interesting because your top four tacklers were linebackers or safeties, um, which is not necessarily something that's great to have, but it also, I think just showed how well, how much they were in there and flying around and making those tackles. And the fact that Kansas was able to do, you know, what they were able to do and kind of hold Oklahoma the way that they did. So, all right, I do want to, um, well, no, I'm sorry. So, so, I mean, it was a phenomenal defensive performance all around. Um, just like all around, if you take a look at the sponsor we have here on the podcast, the Charlie Hustle Clothing Company, Charlie Hustle is a vintage inspired clothing company that is based right here in Kansas City. They want you to be the best dressed fan this entire season. They have over 30 different schools with fantastic lines for all of them, including Kansas. And look, I'm not a K-State guy, but I have to admit that some of those designs are really good. And, you know, if, if they can make Kansas State stuff look good, then you know that they can look anything that you wear look good. If you go over to charliehustle.com, use promo code 101215, that's T-E-N-1215, then you can get 15% off of all non-sale items at the website. They have a ton of great stuff, tons of Kansas stuff. I love the new Big 12 Conference Kansas City Skyline shirt. If you head on over, again, head on over there, 101215, save 15% on everything over at charliehustle.com. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. All right, so I do want to jump over to the offense and kind of talk about the implications of this and everything. But before we do that, I need to throw to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. And we're back. I'm here with Kyle Davis. We are previewing, I'm sorry, reviewing the Oklahoma win for the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, 38 33. We talked about the defense to start, which I'm going to be honest, that's probably not where I would have started, but I'm glad we did because there was a lot of stuff that was definitely worth calling out there. But let's switch over to the offense because, yes, Jason Bean made a lot of mistakes in this game. But the way that he was able to lead that final drive, I want to start with that final drive. What was it you saw from him as he was able to kind of bounce back from those two huge backbreaking mistakes that, you know, wasn't able to bounce back against Oklahoma State with those? It looked like it might have been a similar sort of situation against Oklahoma, but on that huge fourth and six, getting that gigantic pass down to down into the red zone. What did you see from Jason Bean and just how how impressed were you by his performance on the day? You know, I think, yeah, we, you know, there's, he wasn't perfect by any means, but I think that the the hat tip you have to give to him is just the, the mentality you have to have as a quarterback to shake off the mistakes and, and some of those awareness plays, which, you know, like I, I'm sure we'll get to it. Like the, the slide in the end zone that was short and just some of those words, like you gotta, you gotta know where you're at there. You know, he, I, that whole possession actually started with him scrambling for a first down. 
um, using his legs smartly. Yeah, you're right. That play where with, where he hit Lawrence Arnold and then Arnold uh, smartly turned over his left shoulder, got all the way down to the 10. It was the, the, the play before the Devin Neal uh, run for the end zone. He just, he was in the pocket. He was poised. He wasn't trying to, again, like we saw some of his mistakes were him trying to roll right, which is interesting. That was what was happening in the Texas game and what was causing problems. And then we saw uh, he had more success rolling left uh, against Oklahoma State, but he stood in the pocket. Uh, first of all, I know we're talking about Jason Beam, but that kind of leads me into a, this was a redemption game for the offensive line. Yes, in terms of the rushing attack, but also in terms of giving Beam time, especially on that those last couple possessions. You look at that play to Lawrence Arnold, and he is, has a comfortable couple feet on either side, and he's able to stay in the pocket, get his feet under him, and make a hard throw down the field. So credit to the team on that one. But that's one of those things where, I, I will always give Jason Bean credit for wiping away his memory on the back one and just trying to make a play the next time. And that's what you have to do. It's much easier said than done. And in those big spots, it was a lot of third downs and fourth downs on those last couple of drives for him uh, to give Kansas a chance and keep him into it. Uh, and you got to give him all. Yes, there's plenty of things I'm sure he would want back uh, earlier in the game. You know, there's the there's the overthrowing Trevor Cardell wide open in the end zone on second and goal from the five. Uh, there's you know the slide, but yeah, on when when it matters most, and it came down to the game on some of these third and fourth downs. He was poised. He he again he credit to the offensive line gave him time so that he didn't have to panic, but he stood in there and he made the plays that he needed to play, and that's that's what you need from a backup quarterback. And and all credit to him, he did not let one mistake become five mistakes become 10 mistakes to just completely get out of it and that that says a lot to when things are against you hard to throw the ball when it's raining and cold and everything else and he he made a couple of darts and he he got a couple first down with his legs when he needed to um and and that's the mark of you know that's that's a winner right the mentality and he's he's now in the top 10 passing all time at kansas for his career um he you know it's one of those games where it's it's a game with more than 70 total points and neither quarterback threw for a touchdown, but, uh, but he did what he needed to do. And I think that's, that's the credit you have to give to him. And those, some of those throws, those were not easy throws. They were tough situations. Oklahoma at the end was just, they were coming for, they were going to, they were going to stack the box and they were going to try and make him beat them with the outside. And he did. And there's a couple of throws to Fairchild in there where, you know, on that drive, he, after he scrambled uh, for the first down, then he found Mason Fairchild on an out route, you know, up to midfield. And he just, he was very poised there and you got to give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah. I mean, he only threw, you know, he, I'm sorry, he only completed 47% of his pass on the day, which isn't a great stat, but in the weather like that, you're not necessarily that concerned about it. He was able to make some of those big long passes, but to, to your point about the offensive line, I mean, you know, I, I look in the box score and technically Oklahoma got credited with five QB hurries. I really only counted twice where his throw was actually affected by the pressure. Uh, there was once where he had to like roll out and throw it away because he was going to get sacked. And there was another time where the, you know, the pass was a little bit off and kind of out of bounds because he was hit as he threw. Other than that, the offensive line really was able to do quite a really good, or I'm sorry, a, a really good job to keep him upright and make it so that he could make the decisions he needed to. Now he didn't necessarily make the best decisions, you know, late in that game um, before that final drive, but you know, that's also, I mean, Oklahoma is a good team. You know, he had a, it was a very similar situation to just the week before. I'm sorry, the game before. So I'm not necessarily that surprised. The fact that he was able to overcome it against a much better team, I think, in, in Oklahoma than Oklahoma State, I think really helped him um, and will help him moving forward. But, you know, Oklahoma only had three tackles for loss on the day. That was something that had been kind of their hallmark was, you know, tackling people behind this line of scrimmage and really clamping down in the red zone. And I thought they did a fairly good job clamping down in the red zone against the Jayhawks. But, you know, Kansas, like I said, had several fairly large uh, running. I'm sorry. Let's see. So, yeah. So you actually had actually I was a little bit surprised now I think about it because Jason Bean's 38 yard touchdown run was the only offensive touchdown that happened from outside the red zone. Um, And so, like, yeah, they definitely did a good job of clamping down. Um, for a portion of the game, but you know, Daniel Highshaw had two, I'm sorry, he had a nine yard touchdown run, uh, and a one yard touchdown run. And then Devin Neal 
had a nine yard touchdown run. So it's, I mean, Kansas got into the red zone and actually scored off of it, which was a good, was, which was good to see them, uh, see them do. There was a couple times where they were stopped, but I think for the most part, the offensive line gave them a good push. The running backs were making good cuts. And, and like you said, they, you just had guys that were able to pretty much do what they needed to do in big spots with, you know, a few exceptions. Well, in high shot for the first, especially in that first half and into that third quarter, like I, I remember at least two or three distinct plays where, he probably should have only gotten three or four yards, and it was just him, his legs, and him being stronger, just pushing guys up for another three, four, five yards. I mean, he just looked like he was miserable to tackle, and especially when it's cold and wet, like I'm sure he's even worse to tackle. And then you have Devin Neal going there, and, and yeah, this was a this was a redemption game for the offensive line for sure, because I'm not sure what happened at Oklahoma State, but they just looked like they were out physical and, and outmanned and, and the running the running game just wasn't there. And that wasn't the case this time. They were getting great push. Um, and again, it's Oklahoma, again, they gave up a lot of yards, but coming into the game, they only gave up 16 points a game. Like they were, and they caused a lot of turnovers. They made teams just, they were kind of a bend, don't break. And so if you can put up almost 40 points on that defense, who was a top 20 defense, uh, that's saying something. And and the way that you do it when the weather's bad and, and, the ball slippery is you got to be able to run the ball and, and Devin Neal and Daniel Heisfarl continue to be one of the best one, two combos in, in the country. And then when you have someone like Jason Bean, who can then, you know, tuck it and run and make a big play with his legs, you know, he was second on the team and in, in, uh, in rushing right ahead of high But yeah, there was, there were several times again, this feels like just all the way around. This was a, this was not a one person putting the team on their back. This was a very solid, complete team win, which is nice to see because this was, you know, you can give a lot of people their flowers, I think, on the Kansas side uh, after this game on both the offense and the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Luke Grimm made some big plays. Uh, Fairchild got open a lot. Lawrence Arnold made some big plays. The running game, like there is, this was not a, this was not a one or two man show where it's just, hey, they had that guy and on today we just couldn't do enough to stop him. Uh, which is what you want to see moving forward, because that means you're not easy to stop if you don't have that one guy. That's, that's what makes this Kansas offense so difficult to stop is because you go all out to to stop Neal and then you have Jason Bean scrambling and then he's back and hitting, you know, one of his giant athletic tight ends and that sort of thing. So that this was one of those examples, I think, where it was just all around just got to give them their flowers for the entire offense on this one. Yeah, I mean, I also need to talk about the big plays. I think none of them bigger than you know, even though yard wise, it wasn't bigger. Um, the Quentin Skinner catch on the sideline, which was probably the weirdest play that I've seen in a really long time. Um, I actually near interception. Yeah, it was a near interception that got bound, that got tapped up and he was able to reestablish inbounds and catch that. And even though he went out of bounds on his own because it was tipped, there are no penalties for anything like that at that point. So um, kudos to him for being able to get back in bounds. They, they reviewed it. I was surprised that they confirmed it because I think there was enough question about whether that right foot was off the ground when he was able to yeah. catch it or not. But, you know, thought it was a great, a great example of the athleticism and the ability that the Jayhawks had to kind of react to what was happening and find ways to get themselves um, to, to be able to stay in this game. But I don't think I've seen a pass crazier than that, except for maybe the sideline pass against TCU. Uh, the one time that TCU almost, or I'm sorry, that KU almost upset TCU at home. Um, you know, during the, I believe it was during the David Beatty era. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a ridiculous play to see. And I think that was kind of the, the epitome of the effort all night long. It was them making big plays in very adverse conditions and finding ways to stay in a game that a lot of people didn't think, you know, that they, they really had any kind of opportunity to stay in. I mean, the college game day guys all picked Oklahoma and it, I, from what I heard, it didn't sound like any of them even contemplated taking the Jayhawks. Whereas Matt Leinard on the big noon kickoff show was the only one who took KU. Everyone else was like, uh, this might be difficult, but, and, and, and some, some of that might have been talking up the home team, you know, on, on the broadcast, but, um, you know, at least some of the other ones were willing to entertain it. But yeah, Matt, Matt Liner's the only one that picked it. He's now my new favorite morning uh, host of any of these shows. So I'm all hey, for listen, that. Whenever, but... whenever everybody, whenever an entire set on a morning show picks the same team, you know, that team's probably going to lose. That's the kiss of death. If everyone on, doesn't matter if it's, you know, basketball, football, if you're watching Sunday night football and all 12 of their pundits pick the same team to win, it's probably going to go the other way. Well, I mean, usually, 
you know, the only time that happens is either it's a toss up that everybody has talked themselves into, or it's a, the expectation is that one of those teams is significantly better than the other. And I think that's what we ran into with Oklahoma versus Kansas is that a lot of people thought that Oklahoma was a lot better and had not bought into the, Hey, this Kansas team might actually be for real type of hype. So, but like you said, Kansas now ranked again. Um, let's see if they can hold on to it. They head up to Iowa state um, this next weekend. But before we preview that one really quickly, anything else about this Oklahoma game that really stood out? Um, that I think that maybe the next six days should be spent working on two point conversion attempts. <laughs> that, that's one that stood out. Um, if, if this game wouldn't have hit the over, there would have been a lot of upset people uh, because Oklahoma couldn't do it either. So I thought that was, that was wild. The special teams, uh, you know, you, the, it was going to be tough to just get anything done there anyway. And then you've got, you know, because of the field goals, you're trying to go for two, trying to make five, seven. And then you, the, the, the chess that had to happen because of that was interesting. But yeah, no, there's, and, and even so credit to the Kansas defense, there, there's a couple of those two point uh, plays where Oklahoma tried to get a little cute and it was just completely sniffed out, uh, behind, you know, but then, and it wasn't anywhere close to getting converted. There was a couple of them where, I think Bean probably should have hit Luke Grimm on that one where he's wide open. I think that was in the fourth quarter. That might have been the second to last two point attempt. And now see now they're all blurring together. Yeah, but exactly. Maybe maybe we work on some some uh, you know special plays and then also just converting. It was one of those things. You're right. It was weird. There's only one touchdown outside of the red zone, but also Kansas wasn't great inside like the five. I mean, there were so many opportunities to to get in there and. Um, that helped. And also, I think, you know, one other aspect of it that really helped is that you once again saw that Kansas was the more poised of the two teams. You know, Oklahoma gave Kansas 30 free yards on that one drive alone on two unnecessary roughness, personal foul penalties within 30 seconds of each other. Um, just and overall, and the whole sideline, you know, unsportsmanlike yeah, conduct yeah. at the same time. So, yeah. like, Kansas got 45 free yards on that one drive. It was yeah, ridiculous. Oklahoma had had 11 penalties, 101 yards, Kansas had 55 on five penalties. So that was, again, another time where you just, in these situations, you can't beat yourself. And there were some times that you want back and there was some execution that wasn't quite there on the two point conversions and whatnot, but Oklahoma beat themselves more than Kansas did. And you got to give them credit for that. Yeah. Um, one other thing that kind of like, yeah, the only time that they were successful inside the five was when Jason Bean, um, I believe, no, sorry, not, not Jason Bean, Daniel Highshaw after the Jason Bean slide, which by the way, I don't think that was intentionally a slide. It looked to me like he lost his footing trying to cut back. And then the minute he felt himself start to go down, he turned it into a slide to try to protect himself. Obviously it didn't help, you know, protect him because Hey, guess what? He took a late hit, but, Still got hit. Yeah. but, but the nice thing about that was he didn't go in. It was, it was going to be fourth and one from the or I'm sorry, fourth and goal from like the foot line. And instead it became first and goal from the half inch line. Like it was, it was literally as close as you could possibly get to actually being in the end zone without being there. So, um, you know, I'll give him a pass on that slide. I know a lot of people were really upset with it, but you go back and look at the replay and you, you saw his foot slip just a little bit and then he turned his body. Like if you're going to slide, you don't slide sideways. (laughs) Like that, that, that's what really kind of sealed it for me is that when he's, he foot slipped sideways and he turned it into a slide and then got hit and was facing forward. So, um, but no, I mean, I think overall you made as good decisions as you could against a very difficult team. Um, they're going to have that same thing coming up this week. So let's go ahead and take a look really quick at this Iowa state game. Iowa state obviously looks like a very much like a very different team now than they did at the beginning of the year. Um, Rocco Beck seems to have finally, kind of settled in and really been able to drive that offense. I think it does help that they've been playing a lot of teams recently that don't have great defenses, but this is a Kansas team that does not play defense as well on the road. So this is, uh, you know, something you might have to worry about a little bit. I am kind of curious. What are your initial thoughts looking at Iowa state? Yeah. Yeah. Jack, Jack Tri stadium at night is, is I'm sure Iowa state fans will be, will be up to that one. And actually it's interesting. I just saw uh, preliminary preliminary lines, Iowa state minus two in this one. So do with that, what you will uh, when you listen to this, but this is one of those ones where I, yes, Iowa state has, look, they always have a good defense. So that's what you can count on. It's going to be, they're going to try and make it tough on you to score. And again, they're, they're, 
averaging, giving up, you know, just less than 20 points a game. You're right. I think, um, you know, Rocco is the situation coming in is when your your supposed uh, and presumed starting quarterback is now not playing because of gambling issues and you're thrown into the fire. It's going to take a little bit. But I, I also this Big 12 is just so weird. You know, like the the I would say loses by 30 to Oklahoma, gives up 50 points. And again, that's on the road. But then you have. I don't know what to make of Baylor. So they, you know, nice win, 12 point win over Baylor uh, yesterday. I don't know what to do with Baylor. Cincinnati's at the bottom. They're rebuilding. They, you know, new coach, new system, all that. So that was, you know, not uh, not a win that you are surprised by. And, and TCU, again, TCU is another one of those teams this year in the Big 12 in like the bottom half, which is like, I don't know what to do with them on any given week. I have no idea what to expect from like a Baylor or a TCU. And so credit to Iowa State for getting those wins. And they're doing it with defense. You know, neither of those three teams scored 20 points um, in in that game. And so they're able to to do that. But I just don't know. I'm interested to see what the offense can do. And again, Kansas is going to, you know, you, we saw that with Oklahoma. They they Oklahoma's defense can make the bad offensive teams look bad, right? And they can take advantage of that. Iowa State um, is similarly, you know, turning teams over a lot on defense and they can make the bad offensive teams or at least the undisciplined offensive teams look bad. I'm curious what they do against KU here because this is an offense that, again, this, it's they have not seen lately with Baylor or Cincinnati or TCU. Um, and, and Oklahoma, when they played, you know, Oklahoma put up 50 on them. And that was a big thing where um, – Iowa State's defense has been great at stopping the run, but Oklahoma had, you know, 157 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. So I'm just curious to see. I don't think it's an issue of, you know, I, the, the defense from Iowa State will probably make it tough for for KU and spurts, but I, I, I still can't see KU scoring less than 20 points in this game. Honestly, even probably less than 24. So then the question is, can Kansas's defense on the road shake off whatever weird juju thing this is where they just have no motivation or energy or urgency and stop an offense that has been good, fair, but, you know, they still are are not world beaters by any means, and especially of what you saw last week. It's, it's just not going to be the same. So it'll be a tough environment. And I guess this will be the thing is, is maybe, maybe Oklahoma state was just a blip. And I hate the whole, you know, we do this all of, if only we would have beaten Oklahoma state, look at, you know, where we'd be now in the big 12 and all that. I get that that's a natural thing you want to do, but also you don't know how that changes things. It might've been the, the loss at Oklahoma state that just lit a fire and woke the team up and got them to beat Oklahoma. You might have, if you would have won in Stillwater, maybe they are complacent going into the bye week and then they lose yesterday. You never know how that's going to be. So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe the Stillwater game, the bye week, and now this has, has kind of lit a fire under these guys. And that's the question. Can the defense, uh, can, can the defense travel? Cause we know what the defense looks like in Lawrence Can the defense travel. Cause I, I still think that, the KU offense, even if it's Jason Bean, and we don't know, maybe Jalen Daniels comes back next week. I think they are good for at least still 24 points in this game. Can the defense hold Iowa State, who has been okay against the bad teams, not great offensively against the, the better teams, can you stop them and hold them there? Because I don't know if Iowa State, they shouldn't be able to score more than 30 points on on this Kansas defense. If they can, then there's there's something going on here. Yeah, I mean, this is also a team that does not have really a running game. Um, you know, they don't have a quarterback who's really good at running. Rocco Beck is not a runner. He has 77 yards on the season, um, averaging just 2.1 yards per carry. Um, you know, they have they're averaging as a team 3.9 yards per carry on the year. Which is not. Like they good. like to. They like to run. They're right. Not right. This is a team that is that likes to run. Has been able to break off a few big ones, but for the most part, they're not a running team. Um, right. they're not that great at. It. I mean, you look at the total number of. They have as a team, they have basically two hundred yards more than Devin Neal has on the season. That's how much they've struggled in the run game. Um, that's where Kansas' weak weakness is. Right, is in the rushing defense. So I think that this is a game where they have a good opportunity to go on the road and be able to put up some numbers and actually show that they are a good defense. They just 
for whatever reason play like, you know, crap on the road. But this is a team that I think that they can play well enough defensively to allow their offense to win them the game. And the question just as becomes, are they going to, um, you know, Rocco Becht, he's, uh, let me see. He's, uh, he's only averaging 7.2, uh, yards per throw as well. So it's not like they're an explosive offense at all. Um, they don't give up very many sacks. They've only given up six sacks on the year, five of them with Rocco Becht as the quarterback. So, um, you know, this is a team that probably is pretty good at, at keeping pressure from getting to them, but they don't necessarily take advantage of that. So we'll see how well that their offense is able to play. I think this is a game where if, you know, if it's under, if, if both teams are held under 30, then I think that there's a good chance that, uh, that Iowa State pulls this one off. But if, if, if this becomes a shootout, Kansas is a much better team and can score a whole lot quicker. Um, and Kansas is definitely favored in a game that goes over, you know, 65 total points. So I'm looking forward and, to and this Iowa game. State's yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Iowa State's defense is actually a lot like Oklahoma's too, which they are opportunistic. They've got 13 interceptions on the year so far. So that's part of it too. It's, it's, they're not just, it's not a bunch of three and outs and punts. Like they are turning teams over and giving themselves short fields to work right. with it to took, then it make took, it easier on the offense. It took two interceptions yeah. against Oklahoma State for them to be able to win that game by a touchdown, um, where right. Iowa State did not turn the ball over at all. So, um, yeah, I mean, they have, that is part of their game plan is taking care of the ball and, and then forcing their opponents into turnovers, which I mean, everybody wants to do that, but like, that's how they've been successful is when that happens. So if you can disrupt one of those, either not turn the ball over yourself or force them to commit just as many turnovers as you did, as Kansas did to Oklahoma, then I think the Jayhawks are in a really good spot. So, all right. Any, anything else you think that we need to talk about before you get out of here for the day? No, I think enjoy this. You're bowl eligible again. Uh, I think, you know, even if you got four games left, I think even two and two is, is like even kill, you say eight and four in the year, which is actually what I predicted. And now after a couple of weeks, because I go, is that too low? You're even if that's the case and you go two and two, which is, I know what fans don't want to have happen. You're eight and four, you're in a good bowl. Like, I don't know, maybe the Alamo, something like that. Uh, you're, you're in the hunt with the big 12. Like this is, this is, this is about, all you can ask for and i guess i I don't think it it can be understated just the job and the turnaround that has happened and just the fact that you can you can sit here not even november knowing you're going to a bowl game you're ranked in the top 25 again like it's it's just really incredible what has happened in the short amount of time yeah if if you're a kansas fan you're hoping for absolute chaos and like seven teams that are all um you know all have two losses at the end of the year um because then it gives you a chance to get into the championship game otherwise you know, Kansas should be favored in every game after this one the rest of the way. Like, I know that Kansas State's a pretty good team, and they seem to have settled in, but this is a Kansas team at home that should be favored over Kansas State. Um, you know, and... Uh, K-State plays Oklahoma next week. So right, K-State plays Oklahoma. going to have uh, to take another loss. No, K-State yeah. plays Texas, I thought. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, Texas. I was going to say. And then they, yeah, you're right. You're right. So, but then they still have, I believe... They don't play Oklahoma just, the rest of the year. Uh, but I believe you're right, they, they got Texas, yeah. I believe they have Oklahoma State, though. I'm not 100% sure on that. No, no, they don't. They do. Oklahoma State has they UCF, got... Houston, uh, and BYU after Oklahoma, whereas, let me see what Kansas State has. Uh, hold on. You're right, because the, the big noon kickoff next week is in Austin uh, for K-State, Texas. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, man. I, I know I know some Oklahoma State fans that are going to be extremely upset about the fact that Bedlam did not get on either of the national television shows, but... Um, yeah, you know that's what, what it is. is. It's Bedlam, Bedlam this week, and then K State. Oh, that's uh, right, K State after that. So, okay. so you know, and then Iowa State's above you. So basically, oh, that's the, right. Uh, all all of the four and one teams are either playing each other or playing Kansas. So KU is three and two right now in the standings. You have every other. So there's five teams that are four and one right now. Four of them are playing each other. The other one's playing Kansas. So if you win you're automatically going to be in much uh, closer territory because there's already going to be, whether it's Texas or Oklahoma or K-State, somebody else is going to be in there with you. Yeah, let's let's put it this way. Texas still has to play Iowa State and Kansas State. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and, you know, Kansas State plays Iowa State as well at the end of the year after KU. So as long if if KU wins out, they are going to be tied with somebody for that second place, and it's a matter of who who is it and do they make the tiebreakers. Um, That's a huge... Far cry from where, you know, the expectations were when Lance Leipold came in. So the fact that you're contending for a, for a conference championship and you've been in and out of the rankings, you know, as not as a not undefeated team 
Like that's, I think the biggest deal is that, you know, they're getting ranked, not being undefeated. Um, and of course, pulling off this huge kind of victory as, as Lance Leipold put it, this is the biggest win since he has come to the school. Um, he said, he, he's like, normally I don't, you know, I don't do that. I don't like take the, the most recent game and throw it up that high. But he's like, this is a win that could define, you know, this Kansas program and allow them to build off of it. And so, you know, this is by far, I think the biggest victory, even over like the first one against Texas. Yeah. Exactly. Think, yeah. Well, and I, and I said that during the game. This game has Orange Bowl feels. Like it, it felt like a game where you were going back and forth. You knew you were playing one of those, and and multiple players. You know, like I had asked them, it was like, you know, these are the kind of games that when you came to Kansas, you were hoping to be able to play in. But at what point did you actually start to expect to play in in these games? And multiple ones of them said that first win against Texas on the road back, you know, in year one, they were like, hey, we're we're going to get there. It's just a matter of when. Um. There was plenty of people, though, that were like, hey, it's, you know, when when they, when college game day came to town against TCU, that's where the expectation was like, hey, this feels like this is what it should be. So this is a program that has gotten a lot better and is where it should be. And I am absolutely looking forward to see what they can do in the next few weeks. So, all right, that is going to go ahead and do it for us today. Unfortunately, we can't talk about the exhibition for the Kansas Jayhawks against the Illinois uh, Illini because that hasn't happened while we're recording. Um, normally we record on Mondays, release on Tuesday, but it looks like we're going to start recording on Sundays and releasing on Monday instead. So, um, that's but, my fault. I'm sorry. No, sorry. it's, it's fine. It's fine. Honestly, it's probably the way we should have been doing it anyway. So that way people, you know, it's a lot, a little bit fresher in people's minds, but I'm not going to complain. This is going to be, um, I'm looking forward to the results of that one. We can kind of see going into the year, uh, November 6th is the first game. So, you know, we're, we're coming up pretty close on the first official game. Um, so it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, you know, we're, Basically, when this comes out, we'll be a week away. Man, it's hard to believe that we have a absolutely um, in the thick of it football team and the number one ranked basketball team in the land right now. Um, it is a hell of a Enjoy time, it. hell of a time to be a Kansas Jayhawk. All right, that is going to do it for us today, Kyle. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out where, wherever you get your podcasts: with Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. No, not Stitcher. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for. Rock Chalk Podcast gets subscribed so you can get every episode as soon as it comes out. You can give us a rating and review, five stars, nice comments. would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are, of course, part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Um, we have... You can find links to all of our great shows by going to 1012network.com. We also have a Patreon that you can support. Support us there. Uh, just go to patreon.com slash 1012network. We have some great exclusive stuff out over there, so I highly recommend it. But that's going to do it for us today. Make sure you guys visit our sponsors, um, Charlie Hustle Clothing Company and Prize Picks. You can get some great deals with them. That's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you for joining me, Kyle. Thank you guys for so, so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.